Hello, my name is Robbie Ventura, and I am your host here at the Velocity Cycling Podcast, where our one goal is to get you to fast faster. There is no one way to have great cycling performance. What works for some of us may not work for others. We really want to expose you to some of the greatest minds in sports performance. And hopefully, we can try to figure out what works best for you to meet your goals and to meet your genetic potential. We're going to do one job and we're going to try to do it the best we can. And that is get you to fast, faster. Hello and welcome. We have a great show for you today. But the name of this podcast hopefully got your attention and it is Breaking Up with FTP. Whenever you hear breaking up, period, whether it's movie stars, whether it's somebody in your family, or whether it's your nirvana, which is your FTP, you get a little bit nervous. And hopefully, you want to tune in, not just because of breaking up with FTP, but because we have an incredible guest today in Sebastian Weber. He was working with the T-Mobile. He was the head of sports performance when he was 28 years old. What an incredible team that was. And then, of course, he was part of the dominant Columbia cycling team that had a performance there as well. He's an exercise scientist who has really been at the cutting edge of sports performance since he was just a youngster, still a youngster, only 40-some years old. I'm about to hit my 50th birthday, and I have been very, very fortunate to learn from Sebastian these last five years and really embrace a lot of the things that he talks about and that he has created in, in terms of the sports performance world. So Sebastian Weber, breaking up with FTP, what does that mean to you? Well, you know, sometimes when you look back on a relationship which you, which you broke up, then um, often you think, man, if I had broken up earlier, my life would have been so much better, right? But I will tell you this, once you actually do break up with that person, um, that relationship, you feel free, right? You have the opportunity to grow again and, and take hopefully your relationship, and in this part, your cycling performance to another level. And I think FTP was a great friend to all of us, a great mate, you know? And I think at some point, um, you know, you start to evolve, your understanding starts to evolve. And FTP, although it's, a, it's, it's really good and it's provided a lot of benefit for a lot of people, now we can do things and now we know things about ourselves that we can take it to the next level. And that's really what we mean with breaking up with FTP. It's, it's we're not kicking her to the curb or kicking him to the curb. We're just understanding that, hey, it was a great relationship while it lasted, but I'm kind of moving on to something that's a little bit more evolved as it relates to training. So Sebastian, talk about that evolution. But first, and I know you don't love talking about FTP, let's just identify what FTP is or was. Right. And I think, you know, you said one very good thing here, uh, many good things, but one especially caught my attention, you know, once you break up, you feel free and you feel you can progress. And this is what, you know, happens to many people who stop projecting everything into FTP and keep it as one friend, right? Out of many friends, so to speak, but don't, you know, be attached to that as the only friend, but break it up a little bit, right? So, FTP, I mean, the word, the full word means functional threshold power. And it became popular with the use of power meters, right? So as power meters became more popular and more widely spread, FTP, you know, evolved as what it is, the functional threshold power. So it was and still is kind of the proxy of something that has been out there 
in the endurance sports training world and you know um, exercise physiology um, world for for decades, which is called anaerobic threshold. And anaerobic threshold is a proxy for what has been discovered in the mid 70s or late 70s at the maximal lactate steady state. So you have a proxy of a proxy of something that is about 45 years old in terms of you know using it to 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 you know to to steer to monitor or prescribe training so i mean that already tells a story right if you look at how fast technology evolves evolves if you look at how fast especially knowledge evolves in 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 the in the biological you know areas or or life science areas and you now you think about well i do have something which is 45 years old and is a proxy of a proxy it's not your youngest girlfriend you're breaking up with. Well, I you know again, Sebastian. I love I love listening to Sebastian and his scientific um, ideas and thoughts. Um, but from a standpoint of a lot of our listeners, Sebastian, I'm going to break this down pretty easy. You know, FTP, functional threshold power, usually signifies in most definitions the power you can hold for one hour. Ish. Yeah. So if you can hold. 250 watts for an hour, and then you basically you have no more energy, you have no more ability, you basically pass out, you know, put the X's over the eyes. That's your FTP. And the reason why it became so popular is because when you had to coach many athletes, working off of percentages of everybody's one hour power is better than just randomly assigning power outputs, right? So although it's not perfect, it was pretty good for 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 prescribing group activity intensity. And it's actually pretty decent at lower percentages of your FTP. Once you get above your FTP and you start getting into those higher percentages, people's physiology really start to get, become significantly more different. They're different below, don't get me wrong. Um, they're even different at threshold. I mean, obviously that's the whole thing that we're gonna get into. But what we discovered over time is those intervals above FTP started to hurt people in different ways and to the point where people weren't getting better and people were having issues holding higher outputs and different things like that. So over time, it was obvious that FTP was not going to hold up as it relates to, to, to dosing large groups of people based off of percentages of that. But it was a great standard in its time. And now, since testing has evolved, since the understandings have evolved, I think now we've, we, we can be a little bit more precise with those doses for different types of people. And it kind of stems from the evolution of testing. Don't you think, Sebastian? Now what we can do in the laboratory and how that testing process has changed. Yeah, it. I mean, it's always difficult to you know to change habits of people and and change you know what has evolved historically because, for example, lactate testing, which is you know there to 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 determine your anaerobic threshold, which is again approximately your FTP, right? That has a long history, and then getting people to change things is sometimes a little bit difficult. But on the other hand, I'd like to mention that sometimes it really helps to, you know, to, to look into other sports and other countries. So, you know, in a cycling world, FDP is, you know, the one thing, right? Like everybody talking about, it, everybody knows it. When you start riding your bike, when you start exercising, relatively soon will be, will, will know FDP as a term. When you look at other sports in other countries, 
it's not existing. People don't even know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> and, and they still do very good training programs, maybe even better training programs, right? Maybe right. even more efficient, more time efficient than what you are doing with your FTP, right? So it is a little bit that, that thing that was built and was created, uh, like you said, because it was doing its job quite okay. But again, when you want to evolve, when you want to progress and you don't want to, you know, plateau with your performance, then at a certain time, you need to look for something else. Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things that has obviously has happened over time is um, our ability to, to do professional level, like pro team, you know, level testing for every athlete. And that to me has a really has changed my focus as it relates to, to training intensities and, and subscribing different types of intensities for athletes. Because instead of just looking at you know, 95% of 20 minute power and developing training plans off of that. Now with the, the PPD and with inside testing, with metabolic testing, it really has opened up obviously a whole new world as it relates to how I train people and how I have been training people for the last four years. However, I will just tell you a story about myself. When I was a professional cyclist at Saturn, I went to the Olympic Training Center and they did a metabolic VO2 max test on me. I went into this lab. They put the, the, the oxygen exchange on my face, and I went and did this protocol. Basically, I ended up going as hard as I possibly could in this ramp-based protocol. And afterwards, they said to me, Robbie, here's your VO2 max. And that was it. Like, they told me my VO2 max, and they thought that that was going to really help me become a better cyclist. And I will tell you this, and I've done a lot of VO2 max tests ever since. If you ever do do a VO2 max test, they are not easy tests to perform. And unless you have a sports scientist who really, really, really understands everything about that data, the information that you get from a VO2 max test is hardly something that's gonna determine what you're gonna do from a training perspective. Unless, of course, you have the right person giving it to you, you have a mask that fits perfectly, you don't have a beard, like, you know, it's just, there's leaking of the mask, there's stress, there's saliva, there's spit, there's people, you don't understand exactly how hard you should be going, it's not an environment that you're currently able to perform well in. There are so many downsides to doing a VO2 max test on a bicycle with a, with a, with a tech that might not know all the ins and outs of everything, that I think the accuracy of the test itself is in question, in my opinion. And I felt air coming up through my eyes. I, it wasn't an airtight seal. And what I got after that test, and this was a long time ago, I think this was in, two, uh, it was in 98 or 99. I don't even know how accurate the tests were back then. But I got a VO2 max number. And that's all I got. And, I, and it wasn't a number that was high enough for me to get excited about, or my coaches for that matter. So I just, I don't think that that, that VO2 max testing was really helpful for me. However, to flash forward till, you know, five years ago when you introduced me to inside and I take a blood lactate sample, I have no mask on my face. I'm on my own bicycle and I'm going and I'm in, a, in an environment that I can be really successful. I really felt that that test was super accurate. And it's not just because I was able to accomplish the test successfully, but the information that I got afterwards. And the aha moment I had about my lactic threshold and how close it was to my VO2 max and what my VLA max was and how that determined what I was going to do next. 
Yeah, because look, you know, the number itself, like the VO2 max number, okay, besides the things that in the lab, how much it applies to your real world racing and training, you, you have to bring the number to life. Like, think about it. If you would know your FTP is 300 watts, but you would not be able to measure your power output, then it has no meaning for you. Right. Right? And if, if you get your VO2max, or anybody of our listeners gets his VO2max or her VO2max, and it just is a standalone isolated metric, it tells you nothing. Yep. But if you do, like you say, an inside test or whatsoever, and you are able to connect it, and you say, okay, your FTP is at X percent, or riding at X power output will elicit your VO2max, and therefore will trigger certain training adaptations, right? Or increasing your VO2max will bring you that much closer to your training goals then this number you know has a meaning and it becomes you know it becomes applicable to 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 what you're trying to do so just this one single number like also just one single vla max number doesn't really mean anything to you right especially vla max because it's relatively new for a lot of people it doesn't mean a lot to them if you just see the number just see this one single number but if you have somebody like a coach who's able to connect those dots and uses to create the most efficient and best training program for you, then, you know, you really start to put things together and really make, you know, a, a better and more efficient, you know, training program. Um, and coming back to what we said initially, it allows you to progress. Because like you said, riding especially above FTP what happens to the metabolism becomes widely, widely different, right? The recovery at intensities below FTP can be vastly different, can be 200% different. And then what you do riding above FTP, like if you and me or two athletes ride at 120% of FTP, like somebody might be exercising, for example, above VO2max, the other guy below VO2max. So the trigger on your aerobic system is vastly different. Right, and that's that's no surprise. That's no that's really no surprise. Let me give you that example. So, if your goal, for example, is to increase your VO two max, to increase your aerobic capacity, okay. So why you want to do that? You said just this number doesn't have a meaning to you. If you're able to 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 take up more oxygen, you're able to produce more power aerobically, right? It will lift your FTP. It will lift your fat max. It will decrease your your glycogen combustion. So there's many good things why you want to elicit your, your, your VO2 max, your aerobic system. Okay, so now think about it. When you try to work on this system, then why the heck are you not prescribing training intensities as, by the way, in 95% of scientific studies in exercise physiology, as a percentage or related to your VO2 max? Right? When I just said, two people riding 100% above FTP, one is below VO2max, one is you know, above VO2max, so to speak, getting a different training stimulus. Why is that? Yeah, because you're prescribing a training which aims to work on your VO2max based on your FTP. I would say that's like going to the gym and prescribing the number of repetitions and the weight for, for Russian deadlift based on your squatting performance. It's insane. Like you would not do that, right? Yep. You would not take take this example and, and yeah, prescribe aerobic training based on FTP. It's not a lot of sense in there, actually. 
Yep. And, 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 and that, that is one of the advantages, obviously, to, to the metabolic training um, kind of methodology versus training by FTP. But Sebastian, just to go back just a hair, um, because we missed one little step in here. I, I think when, when, when we talk about the evolution and, and when, when we started to court our FTP, um, there was one other relationship that we had between FTP and metabolic. And I just want to talk about that relationship really quickly and why that relationship was good, but still not as good as think, considering um, figuring out what your intensity should look like and how to improve based off of the metabolic energy systems. And that is basically not just looking at a 20-minute test, right? So when you're thinking about developing your FTP, most people say, I got to ride as hard as I can for an hour. Once they do that one time, they realize how difficult that is and how stressful that is and how literally their training gets interrupted for an entire week because they have to recover. And just the uncomfortableness of riding as hard as you can for an hour, it's just no one wants to do that. So we had the great idea, let's only do it well for 20 minutes and take 95% of it. That sounds good. Just kind of pulled that out of the air. For some people, it lines up with their hour power. Some people, it's higher. Some people, it's lower. But it's a good proxy. I'll use the word that you used earlier. And then once we understood that we're different above FTP, they said, let's do a two-minute effort or a three-minute effort as well and a 20-second effort too. So let's start to understand that if we are so different above FTP, let's at least put a couple more points on the graph. So, you know, six, seven years ago, I was looking at people's 20-minute power, their three-minute power, and their 20-second power. And I was getting an idea of how those relate to one another. You know, critical power numbers, a power curve, yeah, yeah. however you want to talk about it. And I thought that was a good pivot. I thought that was a really good kind of, you know, I was, I was dating FTP, and now I'm dating power curve. But there's limitations to that as well. And if you don't know the relationship between your lactic threshold and your VO2 max, and you don't know how close that relationship is, or where that energy is coming from, power curves still fall short of metabolic training. Talk a little bit to that. Well, look, the issue, the underlying issue is that, that basically we are misusing power. We are misusing power and um, it might not be as obvious, but because we are misusing power, this is why there is all this buzz and all these discussions and forums and whatsoever about how should I train longer, shorter, more intense, less intense, blah, blah, blah. All, you know, why people feel so lost is because the, the look inside what's actually happening is blurred because you only work on power. And what I mean by is when I say you, you misuse power is because the, you know, the power numbers that you read on your bike computer and what's the, what's the intention of this, how this was to be used, is that you know how you are training. The power number is recording, it is monitoring how you are training, right? Do, are, are, you, are you doing your training as you are supposed to do? And what happened is this got, got flipped around. Instead of using power to inform you what you are training, people try to use power to inform how you should train. And that's an entirely different thing. How you should train entirely, entirely depends on your, on your biology, on your physiology, on your metabolism. 
because that's what you're trying to change, right? Ultimately, you're trying to change how much energy you can produce aerobically, how much energy, how much power you can produce anaerobically. You're trying to change like, you know, carbohydrate sparing. That's what you're trying to change. Yep. But you do this looking at power output and in your power output, all these factors are blended and mixed up. And it's simply impossible to just look at a number and understand easily on one glance, oh yeah, I know what's going on, right? 200 watts, oh uh, yeah, this tells me exactly, you know, what, it, what I'm doing, what's happening inside my body. No, it's not. It's not telling you anything, right? And this is, so to speak, what happened with the power. It got misused. Again, that's... I think one of the most important things to understand, it is power's intention and what power does for you. It monitors, it, it tells you how you're training, but it's not telling you how you should train. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think, you know, just to, to make that, a, you know, that was a great explanation. But again, what I'd like to do right now for our listeners is just break down a little bit of what we're talking about. Because I think, again, we're talking about, um, a somewhat complicated um, change for a lot of people. I mean, if you're just looking at FTP and you're riding at 100% of it, 80% of it, 120% of it, that's easy to digest. Everybody that's listening can understand what that exactly means. No, wait, wait. It, it, is, it is not that difficult. It is not that difficult. Let me give you one example. If you go, if you ask somebody and, you know, and you talk about instead of, let's, let's forget about FTP and increasing FTP. Let's talk about you want to drop body weight. You want to drop body fat, maybe to be more precise, right? You can ask anybody. You can ask anybody. And most people will have a good understanding of the basic mechanism, which is you either need to burn more energy or yeah. you need to take less energy in. Basically, eat less or exercise more yep. in terms of harder or longer. So people understand the mechanism. And if you go out and ask, okay, what is the mechanism to change your FTP? The room is silent, right? Nobody, right. It's, it's, it's not well understood, right? And I think this is where we are trying to go here is you cannot change something. You cannot change anything if you don't understand how it works. You would, good know, you would, you would go nowhere. You wouldn't bring your car to a garage and say, fix it. And the guy, yeah, I don't know how to fix it, but let me try something. That's basically what's happening in coaching, right? Yeah. You go to a doctor, say, doctor, I don't feel good here, here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I could try something, yeah? And that's what that's, people do. That's not they're, how things work. They're trying things, right? They're trying, they're trying things. And, and right. sometimes they're responding. In their, so just, just, just to be clear, it doesn't mean that they can't fix the car. It means that they're going to try something that may fix the car. And if it fixes the My car- experience. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, and if it doesn't fix the car, they're going to try something else, and that might right. fix the car. And then, right. So, and that's what happening in training, right? Yeah. You try something; it maybe works, it maybe doesn't, and then you move on. Right. And it's cool; it brings you to some level, but it wastes tremendous amount of time and money. And, and, and the other thing it does, Sebastian, and this is the, a huge point that I want to make, is that when someone does something that starts to make their FTP go up, they keep doing that. Of course. They keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually, and this is a lot of people come to our lab when they're stuck in the mud. They, got, yeah. they, they tried something, it got them to this point, and then no longer are they improving. So they do more right. of it. And right. all of a sudden, they start to even get a little bit worse, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's when people 
start wanting to break up with FTP because what got them here was great. They had a great yes. relationship. It went really yeah. well for two or three years. And all yeah. of a sudden, they haven't been able to get higher than 250 watts in their FTP. They come in, we get tested, and we say, ah, look at this. Yeah. Your glycolytic power is through the roof. You're getting all your FTP through, through the fast-switch muscle fiber and burning sugar. It's not going to get any better. We have got to build your aerobic capacity and train easier and do these different things. And it's amazing. When that light goes on and they learn that, hey, my buddy's got an FTP of 250, so do I. Why isn't he doing that type of work? Because that's not his rate-limiting factor. And exactly. once you start figuring out metabolically what your rate limiting factor is, then you can make that next step. Exactly. And oftentimes you get these coaches or these training plans that you download randomly and they give everybody the same focus and they all have different mechanisms that make their FTP up. And that's right, one right. of the, the, the things that has been happening in this world of I'll just download a plan from Training Peaks or I'll just do what my buddy's doing. And if they get lucky and they have the exact same physiology and the same rate limiting factors, they're both going to grow. But at some point, you have to that's change. Tough. Yeah, you have to change the stress. And I think that's the really good point is that FTP does work. Different training plans do work for different types of people. And what ends up happening with all these coaches that have these large athlete loads is they find athletes that end up having the same physiology that their methodology is, is good for. And the ones that don't have success leave. And the ones that do have success, stay with them. So right, right. Talk, about, talk about two athletes with the same FTP. They both have a 300 FTP. They come into your lab, and you have two very different training methodologies for them, even though they're both focused on a Grand Fondo or a gravel race somewhere. Talk about some of the differences you'll see with people with the same identical FTP. Okay. So, so look, let's, in this example, let's say you have two athletes to make it to make it obvious, two male athletes, same body weight, you know, same FTP, let's say 250 watts, right? Training approximately whatever, six, eight hours per week whatsoever, right? Now, just because you have the same FTP, it means about, you know, it tells you how similar you are in terms of physiology as the same, as, as the matter that they have the same body weight, say something about the same physiology, almost right. nothing, right? What it means is that, and sorry, I have to go a little bit into, you know, into the weeds here, um, means that at 250 watts in both athletes, the amount of lactate that is produced equals the amount of lactate that's combusted. You could view it as, I always say, you could view it as your bank account. You have money coming in, you have money coming out, right? Yep. And, and the balance can be the same. The amount of influx and efflux can be vastly different, right? So you have these two guys in your example and you know, what could happen? Two guys come in, same body weight, similar athletes, similar FTP. So one guy, for example, could have his 250 watt FTP at approximately 90% of his VO2 max, right? So that means that the other guy, for example, could have his FTP, let's say at 65% of his VO2 max. That's really, pretty common numbers, right? So the, the ranges here are very common. So that already means very simple math here that the guy with a 65 percentage utilization of VO2max at FTP has a much higher aerobic system, it's a much higher VO2max, right? Yep. And on the other hand, 
don't go into explanation why that is, but it means he also has a higher VLA mix. He has a higher glycolytic anaerobic capacity, right? So what this is, is this guy is going to be stronger in the sprints. He's going to be stronger in the short efforts. And if those, and the other guy, again, FTP in this example, 90% of his VO2 max. So relatively low aerobic capacity. And the only way that he gets to this 250 watts, the only way that he gets to the same FTP number is because he produces less lactate. He has a less developed anaerobic or glycolytic system. Okay, so not a good sprinter, so on and so forth. Now think about those two guys train together. They download the same training program. They, you know, they do the same kind of training and they do an interval train, let's say VO to max intervals or high intense interval training, whatever you call it, I don't, you know, let's say four by four minutes, four by four minutes at 120% of FTP. So one guy is still a fair amount below his VO to max, right? Yep. He's not maxing out his aerobic system. His anaerobic system, which is also contributing in this scenario, is because it's so well developed, it's like it's relatively easy for him. It's not a big problem, right? After four minutes, he's not even exhausted. The other guy is already above his VO2 max, maxing out all his system, and most likely going to hurt himself by basically by basically overdosing, right? And not having a positive res training response in terms of adaptation. So the kind of training that they should be doing would be vastly different because here's one you know, overlooked but most important um, topic that is the kind of rider you are. If you're more anaerobic or more like, you know, more like fast twitch, you know, more the explosive guys, the sprinting guys, the high power guy, or you're more like the diesel engine, the more endurance guy, it tells you something not only about the power output in an interval, it tells you also something about how you should be training in terms of will you benefit more from the longer low intense training well endurance kind of training or will you benefit more from the higher intense stuff because you can go everywhere and you will read both works right you will see high intense interval training brought me this far and then you see the professional riders doing whatever 90 percent at low intensities and there's a discussion between polarized or more sweet spot right and yep. the reason it, it all works it depends on your physiology so you can do just like you said, you can, you can go with your broken car into five different car garages and hopefully find somebody who fixes it. Or you can go into the one garage where somebody understands what's going on in the car and gives you the right fix, which in our case is, you know, you understand what is your physiology and you understand what are your rate limiting factors. In the one guy, it is maybe increasing in terms of FDP, it's increasing his aerobic capacity, right? which yep. will pull up his FTP. And then the other guy, it might be, for example, decreasing his anaerobic capacity, decreasing his, you know, VLMAC, his glycolytic system, which will result in better fat combustion, yep. glycogen sparing, so totally different goals and training. And again, your FDT, FTP number tells you as much about what you should be training as your body weight does. Exactly. And I think that that was a great explanation. And I think one of the, one of the, to kind of sum that and pull that all together, those, both of those people, the 250 watt thresholds, um, if they do the same thing, that kind of works for both of them. 
it may be too hard for one and not enough stimulus for the other, and neither will benefit, which is the crazy thing about the four-minute effort that you just described. But more importantly is you still need to experiment, okay? You still need to figure out, do I want to do more of my strengths to boost those up more, or do I want to attack my rate-limiting factors and see how they respond there? Because what I think is important, Sebastian, is there's still not an absolutely perfect thing to tell people all the time when they finish their, their evaluation. It's more of a discussion of, we're gonna try this and see how your body responds. Because if we take that um, really aerobic athlete, the one that's at 90% of VO2 max, and we give him a lot of high intensity training, and he, his body just simply doesn't respond to it, we know it, right? We know, we can, we're not gonna absolutely solve every single problem from the gate, right? Because, but at least we know that we're trying to affect a certain part of their energy systems through certain types of dosing that we hope have the response that we want. Um, and certain times, if people are really, really well trained, they've done a lot of that high-end work and their body just simply doesn't make that recruitment, maybe we go back to their strengths again. And we really try to fortify that or we try to find events that line up with their strengths. Or we find, you know, certain types of races or things like that. So it's not necessarily like everything that we're going to tell you to do or a coach is going to tell you to do is going to work. You still have to experiment. But at least these experiments are based around things that make a lot of sense. And we're riding at intensities that will elicit the response, if your body can respond to it, to, to make the, 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 the gains that we want, rather than just applying a load based off of your threshold power. Right, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, you know, what you're saying, of course, you know, the training is all, like the, 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 the final training program is always a composition of, you know, many factors, how much time you have, how far out are you from your goal, you know, what are, what, what is your situation? Do you only can train indoors, you train indoors and outdoors, like, you know, whatever, of course. But let me say it with the words of Pakshi Vila, who is, uh, was a longtime coach of Peter Sagan when he became world champion and is now the head of performance at Movie Star Team. He said, you know, yeah, of course, there is some fine tuning. And you go a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Yep. But what he said is, the first thing you need to know, you go right or left. <laughs> right? We can yep. fine tune what kind of intervals. And we can fine tune your power output in the intervals. Or we can fine tune if you train eight hours per week or nine hours per week. And how this sits within your, your, your job and family and whatsoever. Cool. But you first need to go, you want to go left or you want to go right. And then you can fine tune. And I think, I think this metabolic approach, um, this PPD, some of, the, some of the stuff that we've been doing for the last four or five years together really allows us to do that. And what's exciting, I think, as technology is evolving, um, some of the things that we learn from the metabolic component, we're going to have the opportunity at some point to be able to not just monitor every time we test, right, every three or four months when we, when we kind of revisit the metabolic testing, but also some of these things are going to become available, you know, real time. We're going to be able to see things happen physiologically, biologically, um, that, that represent different things that are happening in our body metabolically real time. And that's kind of exciting. As, as technology starts to evolve, as training starts to evolve, as people like you and me start to collaborate on different projects, some of these things are going to become a little bit more obvious, a little bit more easy to measure and actually see, right, while we're actually riding our bicycles. And that's kind of what I think is the ultimate, right, is to take these training concepts that we've been talking about and further dial them in based on 
not just percentage of FTP, but really what's happening, how the blood is accumulating, how the blood lactate is accumulating in the blood, how much fat or carbohydrate are contributing to different types of efforts. And seeing those things as they happen will be a really cool evolution that I think is coming um, to the sport of cycling in due time. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Um, it's one thing to know, like, you know, to, to have seen the report or know your numbers and know, yeah, 200 watts, I remember uh, this is happening and it's 300 watts as uh, this is happening, sort of fat combustion or how quickly I can recover or whatsoever. But then computing it in your head while you are maxing out in a hard interval training and try to, you know, go, okay, my iteration is from this power output, I go uh, approximately this accumulation, like, Okay, some people might be able to do it, but it's, but especially after the second or, or 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 third interval, it's getting more and more and more hard to 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 do that. So, being able, you know, being able to see, not the power proxy, but see really what's going on metabolically, real time, that would be really the next the next big thing, I guess. And and what I think is is exciting, and we'll just I'll kind of leave it here. And 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 if you have an example that you can give, you know, what's what what really kind of brought this home for me is not only are we talking about building our high-end energy systems, not only are we talking about really improving, you know, what muscle fiber types we're recruiting and how much blood lactate we can tolerate and becoming more aerobic or more glycolytic and all these crazy fancy fun terms that we love to talk about. But at the bottom, you know, when you're just really talking about athletes focusing on different events, I coached an athlete, his name was Bob, and he wanted to do a 200 mile race. And I did a metabolic test on him three years ago. And we figured out how much carbohydrate he was burning at a given output. And we know, we took a rough guess and said, you know, he probably has 1800 to maybe 2000 calories of carbohydrate on board. He can process about 300 calories of carbohydrate per hour. We gave him 250 just because we wanted to be safe. And we really tried to figure out at what power output he could sustain based on the metabolic profile of Bob. And we, we learned that he could only hold 140 watts for the course of this 200-mile event. But Bob, you know, he's a competitive guy. He wanted to go hard. So guess what he did? He rode at 170 watts. And after five hours, he detonated. He ran out of carbohydrate, just like the model predicted. And he ended up having to go in at like 120 watts, where he was burning 250 calories of carbohydrate and putting in 250, because that's all he could do to get yeah, to the yeah. finish line. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this, Sebastian, is we spent a year working on lowering his VLA max and really be kept giving him, having him become more aerobic. And you can't believe what happened. Like literally, we tested him every three months and our sole focus was to increase his fat utilization. So at 165 watts, he could last 10 hours, not five hours, not yeah. five and a half hours. And you know what? We did it. And we knew before the race because we measured his VLA max, we measured his metabolic profile, and he could hold 170 watts and last 10 hours with the sugar he had on board and the sugar that he processed per hour and what he put in per hour. And it worked absolute perfection. And, and let me ask you one thing, because you said, you know, you basically supported him during this process and you tested regularly, obviously. Yep. And obviously, you know, he's doing it as, you know, as, as a, you know, as a private non-professional athlete oh, because, yeah. he enjoy, because he enjoys it and he wants to do it. Now tell me, 
how satisfying was this process for him? Oh. Seeing, seeing his own progress, how is the buy-in? How is the buy-in into a training and nutrition program of an athlete who knows what he's doing and why he is doing it? It's the confidence he had going in. Like, yeah. I think what, what, what this sort of training does over FTP-based training is it gives you so much confidence. Whether you're entering an yeah. Ironman, a half Ironman, or a, or a long-distance race, you really have an understanding of the cost of different outputs. And it has nothing to do with percentage of FTP. We didn't say you're going to ride at 60% of FTP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, no. We never mentioned that. We talked about this is the power output that's going to burn this much carbohydrate. You have to keep the carbohydrate coming in. This is how we're going to do it. And he was so excited to start that race. Right. He wasn't nervous. He had Confident. His, yep, confident. confident. And yeah. it was all because of that. Now, I, I'm sure you have an example of that. Do you have an example that you can share with us? I know a lot of these professionals that you work with don't want their numbers to be out there. But how about somebody that you worked with that's at the highest level, that trained by FTP, switched over to metabolic, and you changed their career? I, I, I actually just have one uh, that popped in, into my mind about, about, the, about the, the, the pacing in a race. Because you might remember last year uh, in the Vuelta España, Will Barter, the U.S. guy, he, he became second in the time trial. Yeah. Very, very close and very surprisingly. You talked about something that you use in your own coaching that is, you know, the rate and how quickly you accumulate lactate yep. as, as a marker for how quickly you, you know, you, you, you run into exhaustion, so to speak, or how quickly you, you would fatigue. And then riding below threshold, how quick you can, how fast you can recover at which power output. And this is, we just, we just had a webinar with his coach, with the head of performance, Marco Pinotto, who is now with, with, with Mitchelton. Um, you know, and, 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 and he coached BMC to several world championships, tight and time trial. And they used that exactly core, same, same, same curve. Um, they used, it, they, they used the, the rate at which will would, you know, accumulate lactate. And they, and, 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 and they, they, they knew his, his upper ceiling, you know, how high he could go. And then they looked at the cores and, and basically paced him to know exactly, you know, at this climb or at this piece and at this piece, what is the power output you need to ride at to not blow up? And what is the power output you, 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 you should hold, for example, in a little downhill to recover the fastest. Right. Yep. Exactly the same thing. Using metabolics to fine tune and precisely, you know, ad advise and guide an athlete what to do. Well, in this case, in racing, and obviously you see the outcome very surprisingly for most people. You know, second in world tour, uh, world tour race, final day of the world tour, kind of thing. Um, so yeah. There's there's several applications. With the carbohydrate, we have several applications from professional triathlon non-professional marathon running where you use the, the, the fat and carbohydrates to avoid bonking and it really boosts the confidence of the athletes right yeah because think about think about it you know as you as an athlete you know approximately your day in day out training right you know your normal loop you're doing and you know you've bonked there five times and you have the experience how to avoid it right but now this racing this race day, this whatever, Grand Fondo, 10-hour racing, uh, how often did you do that? How often, how often did you practice that, that you can tell from experience, I know what to do, not to bomb? And then how much you invest in that? Into time, travel, 
you know, license fee to start whatsoever, you know, starting fee, what's, you invest so much and then on race day, leaving up to chance versus knowing exactly what you need to do. That's a huge difference. Absolutely. And, and I think what, what all, I want all these, all of our, all of our listeners to understand is that this sort of training, you don't have to be in a pro on a pro cycling team. You don't have to have, um, you know, Sebastian Weber or Patchy Vila or, or Marco Pinotti to be your coach, to be able to absorb and understand and learn these things. You know, p- part of the goal for me um, is, to, is, to, is to educate you all so you can run your own experiments and you can do your own um, intuitively with the science that you learn from, from some of this metabolic testing to really cu- to start to design and control and, and maximize your training. Now, Sebastian, my question for you is what percent of the pro tour is training using the metabolic profile and how many of the pro tour is still training using FTP? I don't know. Ex- I don't know the exact percentage I can tell you, uh, but, um, but I know that, you know, also from the coaches or teams that are not using insight, for example, they, they train differently and not only with, with, with FTP. Um, and um, in terms of, you know, from the people di- directly interact with or directly know because, because, they, because they, they also utilize insight for their testing. I can just tell you it is more than you, public, than you see publicly facing on the website because we have a lot of teams and also federations um, where we are not allowed to talk about the partnership. And that goes also for, for, for coaches of single world tour athletes, right? Um, so it is becoming, it, or it has becoming a more and more growing thing. And you, you know, mentioned initially my work with team Columbia HTC high road, right? Yep. Like we did this already back then. Like we tested the VLMX of Tony Martin in 2007 before we signed him. And we knew that there was room to improve for as a benchmark. FTP, and we knew that he would be able to increase his time trial performance with that before we signed him. So, in the elite professional world, that it's you know these kind of concepts what we talk about here is yeah is is not that new that it might sound to you right now. And then obviously, as with most things things start to, you know, diffuse down from like the elite professional sport into, you know, into a broader audience. And what I'll tell you from my own personal experience is that we've been doing this for over four years now. And I think um, there's an education component and and we're going to continue to try to educate people and teach them more about this. But just like power was 30 years ago, you know, it, it, nobody knew what it was. It was this black box. It was very difficult to figure out how to use the power meter and to make sure they're accurate and all these other things. But now everybody, everybody that's, right. that's thinking about cycling performance has a power meter. Right. And I think in three or four years, everybody will be using metabolic profile to determine what their rate limiting factors are and how they should be training. And I think it's just one of those evolutions. And not, right now you're seeing some early adopters, but again, I, you know, we've been doing it for four, four or five years and we're still learning. We're still perfecting it. We're still, you know, trying to figure out exactly how to maximize this tool. And I think it's a wonderful tool. And I really appreciate you sharing it with me and, and teaching me about it. I'm also excited about our future projects that we're going to do together. I think that we together we can help educate. We can help bring this bring this this methodology to more people. 
And unfortunately, I think FTP, you know, they're, 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 there's a lot of breakups in FTP's future. And I think at the end of the day, um, FTP is absolutely fine. And, and they'll keep finding people to, to date in the, maybe eventually in the Peloton world or something like that. But for us, I think we're ready to break up with FTP for good. And I think that um, although we'll still always benchmark at times on FTP, um, training methodology moving forward will we'll end up becoming um, metabolic energy systems for sure. And I really appreciate you introducing me to this five years ago. And I look forward to our relationship in the future. So thank but you. We could, but, but we could still be friends with FTP on a friendship basis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Friends. Friends. Oh, yeah, friends. Friends. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. frenemies, real friends. So Our like friends. Friends. Yeah, yeah. That I would, yeah, that really appreciate that. Thank you, Sebastian. Look forward to hearing thank you. Thank you. Thanks Cheers. for having me. Good one. Cheers. So long.